Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. friends and welcome to another Ask Zach. Today we're going to talk about a hugely influential guitarist that uh, is somewhat underrated and uh, or maybe if you know about him you don't know the extent to which he uh, deserves our respect and that's uh, Pete Anderson. So first a little pause for the cause. Uh, if you've been enjoying the show please subscribe. If you want to support the show, go to AskZach.com. There's a store there. We've got t-shirts and mugs. I think we have got some baseball hats now and some other things, so you can check that out there. Also at AskZach.com, I've been uploading a variety of uh, older articles and kind of newer things. So one is the wiring diagram for the Telecaster so that you can bypass the, the neck uh, you can bypass the tone control on the neck. So in other words, the tone control only works on the bridge. And so I've been talking about this for a long time. And finally, I created a, a wiring diagram. So that's on there. Also, there are interviews with Richard Bennett uh, that was for Vintage Guitar Magazine back in 2006. A 2006 interview with Brad Paisley that I did uh, covering the Time Well Wasted album and tour. And it has a bunch of great photos uh, some by Rusty Russell and some by myself. Also, I uh, found the uh, recording notes for t the Time Well Wasted album. And so I've listed uh, all the different guitar parts and what guitars, amps, and pedals were used uh, on each song you know, on that album. So that's all at AskZach.com. So go check that out. So Pete Anderson, first off, you know, he's uh, from the Detroit area and grew up, you know, playing, you know, rock music and blues and such, and then moved out to uh, Southern California, hooked up with uh, with Dwight Yoakam, and they were playing the bars and clubs and, uh, you know, and, and you know, Pete really kind of honed in, uh, you know, Dwight's thing and, uh, you know, ended up being his producer and collaborator, you know, from from then up until, you know, the early 2000s when they kind of parted ways. Um, that first album 
guitars, Cadillacs, etc., uh, etc., et that came out in 1986. It was a hugely groundbreaking album. And the reason being is that when you heard it on the radio, it didn't sound like anything else that was being played at that point. And that was because Pete was playing through an amp and was using an old telly, in, in his case, a 1956, you know, refin telly, you know, through a deluxe reverb. And, uh, you know, he was using acoustic guitars and, you know, fiddle and pedal steel and, uh, and, you know, country music at that point in 1986 had moved away from using tellies, was very much in the Strat mode, and many times the Strats had EMGs on them or home-canceling pickups or something like that, then amps weren't being used. Um, Jimmy Bowen was a great you know, record producer. He, uh, he didn't like noise at all, and he made all the guitar players you know, and bass players, made them all quit using amps. So they all had to start using uh, you know, different preamps that they would plug in direct. So probably one of the most famous uh, and most used you know, preamps was made by a guy named Mo West, who was the son of Dottie West. And that's what Reggie Young and Brent Rowan and all, all the cats, you know, Brent Mason, all of them had, had this preamp, and uh, or they had like the Mesa Boogie Studio preamp or things like that. And they would just go direct. And uh, a lot of times electronic drums were used, keyboards were used more than pianos. Uh, yeah, it was just, a, it was a different era. So you take those sounds and now put a record against it that has twangy Telecaster, you know, you know, playing. Playing twangy, doinky, you know, stuff. Uh, yeah, it, it sounded, it was completely different. And it was the same thing as what, you know, Buck Owens did in the, in the sixties, you know, you know, that Nashville was trying to chase the, uh, the pop sound with strings and, 335s and you know using the neck pickup and all of a sudden he had these really twangy sounding records and you know Pete and uh, Dwight kind of did the same thing and uh, yeah they made a huge impact and had a, a, a huge following you know pretty quick so let's uh, talk a little bit about you know his playing which I kind of you know did a little bit there but uh, if you had to take one Pete Anderson, you know, kind of track off the Dwight records, you know, it'd probably be Guitars Cadillacs that, uh, you know, has to be the tune that kind of most exemplifies, you know, his playing. So you have this great, you know, opening lick. Starting on the five chord, starting on the on the E, and then it goes into into A. So you have that, which is great. That's a great kickoff to a tune. Then you have what he plays on the verses, which are these you know doinky uh, you know, kind of low string bends that harken back to like Red Simpson albums and and things from the, from the sixties. You know, truck driver tunes. <laughs> And then in the chorus, he does, you know, like a boogie line. Mm -hmm. 
then you go like to the solo, you know. Which is kind of like a, a counter melody. Then you have the the fiddle solo, uh, which again that was not common in country music. Then you have a second solo, which to me this is the part where it really blew my mind the first time I heard it because I was like, "What is he doing here?" And uh, and he was taking sixth, and he was bending them. Uh, so. Uh, this is what it sounds like without bending, but kind of getting the point across. It's okay, so that's without bending. So here's bending. So you're bending both of those strings, the high E string and the G string. And I love that sound. And I, I use that a lot when playing fills. I go. Just sounds nice. And then Pete played it up, you know, up on the on the five chord on the E. You know, just just great stuff. And all these descending licks where he would play. He would cover the whole fretboard. You know, he wouldn't just play in one area of the neck. You know, then you have, uh, you know, later on you have uh, I sang Dixie, uh, where it's very much echoing the Merle Haggard records, but without, without becoming some, you know, pastiche or something like that. I mean, it's just like. great part which you know again that echoes back to the the haggard records but without being just a you know copying stuff note for note you have the things like little little sister all these great you know bends and licks and hooks and i think what I like about Pete Anderson and what probably other, what you like about him too, is he's a hook player. You know, he, uh, he doesn't try to be, you know, like, like Albert Lee and play a bunch of swinging single notes or something like that. He took his strength, which he kind of, he grew up as a blues player and also, you know, liking R and B like Cornell Dupree and, you know, liking the blues guys like Albert King and Freddie King and then he got into country and was listening to James Burton and Don Rich. And he took those things and he had that blues intensity, but still thinking about hooks and playing, you know, country stuff that just really worked because of his intensity and his focus on playing things that were melodic and that were memorable. So, uh, you know, it made sense to me when I found out that he had gone to a musician's uh, institute and he had studied, you know, Howard Roberts stuff and gone to GIT, uh, you know, because he, you can tell he really knows a neck. Reading interviews, he talks about you, tetrachords and just the way he had to play with Dwight versus, you know, what he's done with, you know, other artists that he's, you know, worked with. 
um, you know, he, uh, he's so smart with, um, you know, the way, you know, he makes records, you know, he makes records that are retro sounding, but yet they're, uh, they're modern and, and using modern equipment. And, uh, you know, on those, on those Dwight records, you know, he would, he would have a guy like Dean Parks, who's one of the greatest LA session guitar players of all time playing acoustic. And I mean, he's one of the smoothest acoustic guitar players you'd ever want to have. You know, he's, he's the best. It's like, that's him on, you know, Clapton's changed the world, you know, playing the, the, the chordal stuff that you hear that's Clapton playing the solo, but all that stuff at the beginning of the song and all during the verses that the, the rhythm playing, that's all Dean Parks. So next to Dean Parks, he'll have J.D. Manus, you know, who was a buckaroo and also played the Desert Rose Band and others. Or you'd have Tom Brumley. Tom Brumley was an original buckaroo and played that iconic part on Together Again. How smart is that? You know, using, using those guys, you know, on those records. Another example of just how, you know, wise, you know, Pete Anderson, you know, is and was, you know, back on those records was Dwight had written this body of, of work in the early 80s that included songs like Guitars, Cadillacs, and I Sang Dixie, and others. And Dwight thought, this is my first album. Pete Anderson said, no, these are all gold. These are all singles. If you put them all on one album, only two or three of them will be released as singles, and the rest of them will just die on the, on the vine. You know, they'll just be album cuts that people like, but they'll never be heard on the radio. Pete Anderson said, no, we're going to space them out. We're going to put two or three of these great songs that you've written on each album. And so throughout the 80s, you know, they spaced out those songs. And those were, sure enough, those were the hits. They'd add like some covers or some other tunes that Dwight had written that maybe weren't as strong. But those songs are what carried those albums. Another example of Pete Anderson's just wisdom and hard-working attitude was the way he would rehearse a band. And uh, the only way I knew about this was because of a story that Red Volkart told me. And he told me that Pete would rehearse the band to death to where they could play the songs in their sleep. And the reason was is that, you know, on gigs you have all sorts of problems that come up and but if you know those tunes backwards and forwards, you can just keep going and playing, even if you can't hear yourself. And so Dwight did not want to do that type of you know, rehearsing. And so he just wanted to come in at the end. So Pete would hire Jim Lauderdale, the great songwriter and artist, to come in and be a stunt double you know, for, for Dwight in the rehearsals. And so they would rehearse for weeks with Jim Lauderdale, and then they'd bring in Dwight at the end and, and go out on tour. Come on. I mean, that's, that's what it takes. You know, hard work, determination, uh, just, you know, going for it. Uh, I love that. So let's talk a bit about his gear. You know, of course, I've already kind of referenced that he was kind of an old school kind of player, uh, you know, in his, in his gear choices, you know, using a 56 telly on that first record with, you know, probably deluxe. Uh, he also played a uh, 59 telly 
custom a lot. And uh, it was the sunburst with the white binding and rosewood fretboard. And uh, it was uh, the pickup cover on the neck was, uh, was missing. And uh, he soon switched to a six saddle ashtray bridge, kind of like Fender sold in the 70s and was on like the, uh, the humbuckered Tele Custom or Custom Tele. And then he eventually put a, uh, a Goto heavy brass uh, six saddle bridge on there. And uh, that was kind of that guitar. And also used a 59 hardtail Strat. And that's probably most popular, most known for like playing on Fast As You. Amp-wise, he, uh, you know, he really was a deluxe reverb guy early on, and you would use one or two of them, and then he started having to hop them up because the band was getting louder and uh, ended up with amps that had bigger transformers, 6L6s, Electro-Voice speakers, the old coffee can EV speakers, not like the, the EVM12L, but the er earlier ones. And, uh, and then he had, this is really cool. He had a wet dry system. So he would go into a good rich volume pedal that was uh, low impedance. It had a, a, a preamp in it. And then he would go into one of the amps, one of the deluxes. And then he would go from that through an old boss CE one chorus and an echoplex, and then into the other one. So we had a dry amp. So he had a, a wet dry rig, you know, back in the early eighties, early mid eighties. It's like, that's brilliant, you know, and, uh, yeah, and he would turn that chorus on when he was kind of going for a more of a steel guitarish or maybe more of a, a, of a Hispanic Tejano, you know, kind of vibe. And, uh, and he could, you know, bring that up as much as he wanted it. And what a great tone, stellar tones. So, yeah, I, I love Pete's playing and just gained so much, you know, respect for him. You know, the more I've learned about him, and and uh, you know, the way he produced records, the way the way he plays, the way he, you know, just has an intensity to his playing, and thinks about hooks, and never tried to be Albert Lee. As much as I love Albert Lee, I'm glad that he didn't try to be Albert Lee. And uh, yeah, so I'm uh, I'll. In the description to the video, there'll be a link to Spotify where I'm going to create a, a playlist. And there you can, we can all kind of get schooled by Pete Anderson and hear his, you know, stellar tone and playing and uh, how influential it is. So I hope you'll uh, check that out and enjoy it. Well, thank you so much. I hope you all have a great, great week and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzach.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.